Welcome to TA1, everything you want to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson, legendary chili dog, actually in her bed under the desk. Jimmy and Stevie, they be locked up out there because they're noisy. Um, good news, bad news. The uh, bad news is nobody voted with their pocketbook, so I had uh, one person make a little donation to help out. Thank you. Um, good news is with all the hassles and everything with the hosting and episodes being missing that uh, Potomatic is, um, eh, they're going to pay for it for a while. Free hosting, basically. So I guess we will keep on the air. Um, yeah. At least I'll have to pay again, and then we'll we'll see. Anyway, enough of that stuff. So, uh, yeah, this one was kind of fun. I got to see the film early because I'm a media darling. Um, you're listening to this. It should be available today, February 4th. I'm not sure exactly what time it goes live, so we'll see if the link works when you listen to it. But, um, yeah, it was fun. It was cool to see. Think you're going to enjoy it, or you have enjoyed it, or you're not an adventure racer and you're not going to watch it. But um, anyway, here we go. Um, yeah, that's it. Nothing new to report on the uh, going places yet. So uh, hopefully, a few things will be um, in the works later or nailed down. Anyway. Thanks for listening. Go fast, take chances, peace out, and uh, have a good workout. Bye. Hey, Randy, can you hear me? I can hear you. How are you? Doing great. How are you doing? Oh, pretty good. For once, for once, technical issues aren't on my end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was calling, and it said, uh, this browser does not support, so I just opened a different one, and that worked out. So huh, Interesting. So, yeah, if, you know, 250 episodes and last week I forgot to record my end of the conversation for the first two minutes so (laughs) fortunately it wasn't anything important (laughs) yeah the first two minutes is usually warming up yeah in in inane and then and then I'm I'm fighting with my host because they're switching servers and and like the last 10 podcast episodes aren't available and uh, anyway oh man they, I mean, they're working on it, but, yeah, I'm going to lose my audience of tens. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the last episode I had seen was Jason from out in Bend, so. And and they were there, and then, like, last week I got two two messages, I can't listen to the episodes, and, like, so, yeah, like, going back, like, ten episodes are, weren't available, so, hopefully, <laughs> well, by the time people hear this, Things should be normal, otherwise they won't be hearing this. So <laughs> that's right. Um, uh, who are you? How's that for starting out? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I guess for the purposes of uh, for this, uh, yes, yeah, so I'm Rusty Chadwick, and uh, I work for an organization called Windshape Teams, and um, I'm a hobbyist adventure racer. Nothing like the folks you typically have on, but. Uh, but um, just got done um, producing a documentary called For the Team about uh, Team Avea 
formerly Team Seagate, the folks from New Zealand, captained by uh, Nathan Fave and crew. And so, um, yeah, that's that's who I am. So, well, there's a lot there. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's let's start. So, so check this out. I actually did some some uh, homework. So, what is uh, Windshape Teams? Yeah, Windshape Teams is a nonprofit, and we I mean basically we come alongside teams and leaders to help them develop and uh, workshops with them, or we do summits around the country and sometimes even programs uh, around the world, and it's. Uh, Started by a man named, well, the foundation's part of a larger foundation called the Windshape Foundation, which was started by uh, a gentleman named Truett Cathy, who founded a popular restaurant chain in the United States called Chick-fil-A. And Heard so, uh, yeah, <laughs> so a great place to get, uh, get your pre-race meal. And, uh, so yeah, we've been around since 1991 and, uh, served teams and leaders from pretty much every walk of life. So, okay, so I'm stupid, and I don't understand these things, but what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great question. Yeah, I mean, basically, we, you know, a team a team will call or we'll work with a team that, you know, that wants to, you know, become stronger together. So we might do, um, you know, content around, um, you know, team development such as you know, communication or cohesion or alignment, that sort of thing. And typically it's, you know, one to three-day program. And our approach is kind of this marriage of content and then experiential uh, learning. So we do a lot of experiential uh, stuff outside. We do indoor stuff, but a lot of activity uh, or discussion or um, kind of tactile experiences that kind of take whatever content we're working through and bring it to life and help it to be something that the team can really uh, latch onto and sort of start to see their behaviors in real time and hopefully kind of grow from that and then uh, for leaders, uh, we have uh, programs. We have kind of four different programs for leaders that we walk through um, on self-leadership or team leadership uh, or, or leading organizations, et cetera. And so we'll kind of go through a period of uh, content learning, and then we'll kind of uh, reinforce that with experiential uh, exercises. So usually that's here on our site in Georgia, in Rome, Georgia, but oftentimes we do that in other parts of the country as well. So, Okay, so – you bring them in, you do some book learning, then you take them out in the woods. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm dumbing this down for me because I'm I'm the kind of guy that doesn't understand why looking at at a spreadsheet can help, you know, and that kind of stuff. Yes, and and apparently yeah. it does because in leadership and in all this stuff because people do it, so it obviously works. Maybe it's because I'm never around other people. I don't have to deal with people. <laughs> well, we definitely found that uh, an experiential approach is really valuable because, yes, sitting in a classroom for seven hours doesn't typically yeah. translate into a great deal of learning. So, for use my term, when you take them out into the woods, I mean, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, zip lines, walking through the woods, you know, what, what do they get to do when they're in the wood part? Because I don't care about the book learning. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, this is an interesting community. Um, yeah, we uh, yeah we have a ropes course or several ropes courses here on site. The we're on the campus of Barry College, and it's the largest, I believe, the largest contiguous college campus at least in the United States, if not in the world. So it's like twenty six thousand acres. Mm. Uh, it's huge. So we have kind of a good mountain here called Lavender Mountain. So we have several ropes courses on property. We do that. 
some of our activities are more like, um, you know, uh, you know, we might have we build kind of giant Rube Goldberg machines, for example, which is like a you know really complicated machine to do a simple task. Mm-hmm. Um, we have done you know hikes up on the mountain. We have a search and rescue experience, which we really love, where we literally have created on our mountain campus like an entire disaster scenario, and the team uh, really immerses. It's a nighttime exercise usually, and so we have a command post, and they kind of get this. Hey, here's what just happened, and they have to go, and we have staff literally kind of stationed throughout the woods and they have to find them and perform kind of some medical treatment that they've been given and diagnose and triage and get them, you know, safe and a storm comes in. It's, it's kind of an interesting thing. So things like that. All right. So it's more than trust falls. You know, it's funny that you say that we're just doing some brand messaging and literally we have a tagline that says more than trust falls. (laughs) See, you need to hire me as your brand manager. You are like a marketing guru and you didn't even know it. (laughs) So, do you, I don't know if you can answer this, but that's the best kind of questions. Do you ever get people that you can that you would like see a change in them over, you know, the course of of a, a weekend or however long they are? You know, they come in as one person, and you literally see them. I'll, I'll say blossom. Or is, or is it more subtle than that? Yeah, typically it's more subtle than that. Um, you know, if in a two or three day workshop, our goal or our expectation is not some um, kind of like uh, metamorphosis. It's it's definitely more. We talk a lot about micro adjustments that lead to macro change. I mean, for an adventure, I mean, we think about like when you're navigating, you know, you get off one or two degrees. Of course, you know, by the time you're 20 miles down the course, you're way off. And so I think that the same works when you can move one degree closer to where you want to be. Then on the way, you're you know over time that really helps. And so we kind of think more that way. But I would say that said, definitely I have been in experiences or programs where you can see the kind of the aha moments and folks realize, you know, I'm really starting to see the way that maybe particularly my behavior is impacting this team. And, oh, my goodness, like that's huge. Or I remember having a conversation with one gentleman who was wrestling with some pretty big life questions as a part of his experience and just walking that through with him and then being able to follow up months later to see the, the transformation. So it definitely, you can, you can really see some tangible change, but for the most part, it kind of, it's more of a micro adjustment. Yeah. Or if you see that change, it is like you say months, months later, maybe. Yes. Do you ever get an email from somebody saying you changed my life? You know that we do occasionally get, definitely get the emails where folks are say, saying I'm really different. We have a guy recently that um, uh, works uh, up in Chattanooga and it was interesting just We've walked a journey with him, and we did a video story on him, and he's reached back out to us recently just talking about just some surgery he had and the recovery that he had from that and just kind of how his impact on leadership is or how this his time here, his leadership has been so impacted and how he's approaching his team differently. And we had one gentleman from um, out west that came one time, and I'll never forget, he went back to his uh, – he owned a, a, a retail establishment. And he sent us a video one time. He was actually riding his mountain bike and sent me a video and said, this is my world, so I'm going to be, I'm on my mountain bike. But he just said, listen, I mean, my, 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 my family's different. My, my work life's different. My, my, my self care is different. And those are the stories that just really, man, they energize you for sure. So. Very cool. So how do you get into this racket? The, of team development? Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, that's a great question. I kind of stumbled into it. I, I showed up here about 10 years ago, and uh, at the time we were called Windshape Wilderness, not Windshape Teams. We did a lot more outdoor stuff actually then, and um, I was a part-time employee and just kind of grew up here a little bit. Um, 
I had some great leaders here that really invested in me and uh, gave me the freedom to, to try new things and grow in and, and a relatively safe environment. And I just found that um, I liked it. So I enjoyed communicating with others. And my background was actually in guest ranching in Colorado. So I worked at a couple of places out there that were just premier amazing, you know, experience creation ranches where families would come and just have these wonderful weeks where they would um, just see their 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 uh, their families really come together and they would experience adventure. That's where I got into mountain biking and um, folks just really instilled that passion in me. And so I kind of brought that experience creation mentality here to team and leadership development. And so we've kind of been able to uh, to do that for folks. And I think that's kind of fueled that passion, but I really stumbled into it. So, all right, we're in the Wayback Machine. Now i got to know, how did you get into Dude Ranch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a guy who was – I was in college and studied to be a teacher, and I uh, finished my student teaching and decided that was not going to be for me. And it was May of my senior year, and a friend of mine worked at a place called Lost Valley Ranch in uh, uh, Sedalia, Colorado, and uh, near the Cheeseman Reservoir, and she said, come out here and work for a summer. What better do you have to do? So I got a job there for a summer and then spent five seasons there. It changed my life. It's a great place um, and uh, met some amazing people, and then I went to work at another place called Vista Verde Ranch in Steamboat Springs. And, uh, yeah, I just one of those post-college things that just kind of happened. So it's been about four years out there. Right. So did you, did you grow up there or, or east? How did you get back to Georgia? Yeah, so I grew up in West Virginia, okay. um, Bluefield, kind of southern West Virginia, and uh, my my parents had moved here to Rome, Georgia, um, while I was away at college and working at the ranch, and so that kind of connected me back to uh, Windshape here. So, yeah. okay, all right. So, <clears throat> and you've probably been asked this a billion times, but I want to know what's the one story that you tell about life on the Dude Ranch? <laughs> Man, you know. Uh, one story about life on the dude ranch, man, there's a lot. Um, I fell in love with cowboy poetry in uh, dude ranching, so that was kind of fun. That's a little bit of a hobby that not everyone has, so that was something good out there. Um, but I can't think of one particular uh, story. I have to have a. I might have to think about that one. <laughs> well, then, when it comes to you when we're talking, because I I know you got to have that that client. Or that horse, maybe. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll tell actually, that does spark a memory. So one of the guys who was the head wrangler, this is great. This was before my time, but I worked for him for a long time, and he tells a story of this uh, um, uh, gal who was dismounting her horse, and um, the way that she was built, her legs were kind of short, and so as she was climbing down, her shirt got hooked on the saddle horn, and she wasn't tall enough, so as she was trying to climb down, it hooked her shirt, but also her... Uh, undergarments, which pulled, <laughs> so she was hanging from the saddle horn with her shirt and uh, everything else stuck and kind of couldn't move. And she, there she was for all the world. So he had to come and unhook her to get her down, which I always thought was quite a comical story. Mm. Um, poor lady, but um, yeah, that so that was a good uh, a good horse experience. That, I'll I'll take that one. So <laughs> okay, so and you know how this worked with me. We'll I'll come back to this stuff, but. So, from what I can tell, that uh, the film is like the first in a series that you guys are doing. Yeah, that's the hope. Um, we uh, originally the series was going to be a, a, a group of kind of six to eight minute shorts where we would study a team, and that was the original idea. Mm. 
and the project expanded a tad when we uh, found Nathan and, and crew. So we hope it's the first in a series, but we're probably going to take a, a little bit of a break as we um, get this one launched because it was a bigger production than we originally planned on. Yeah, if you're if you're going from from yeah six minute short to a forty minute almost feature, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a lot of work. So so what what's the what's the idea behind the series, and then we'll we'll get into the in tonight's feature. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, the original idea, you know, a, a couple of folks uh, on our marketing team, it just, you know, we've made some videos that were just stories of people that have come through our programs and that have been impacted in various ways, but we really wanted a different way to highlight teams and um, sort of as a, almost as a content marketing piece originally. And so they said, what if we did this series called Teams Made Well? And we, we showcased kind of teams and went behind the scenes to see what makes them, uh, what makes them tick, what makes them great. And so that was the original idea, but I think when we reached out to Nathan and crew, we just kind of um, realized that we had an opportunity to really highlight and showcase what can happen when a team really does it right and when a team invests in, um, you know, each other. And so it kind of is a platform to hopefully encourage folks about the, the power of a team and what it can accomplish. And uh, so that that's one goal, and then, and then definitely it's something where we hope we can um, kind of expose the world to – uh, just to some folks who are, yeah, I guess doing it right. And then, you know, on our side of things, obviously it's a, it's a, an opportunity for us to expand our reach and help more people know about us and see what, who we are and what we can do, uh, as well. But that's sort of, um, hopefully it just adds value. So, yeah. So how did, who, who knew who Nathan and Avaya Seagate, they branded themselves so well that I can't, not say Seagate, but <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, um, so who knew them, and how did you? I mean, how did you know to reach out to them? Yeah, so that's. I guess uh, that was probably um, a connection that I had, and just that I, as a, I started venture racing a few years back, just locally, and so um, you know I had heard of Seagate and knew that they were a very successful team. I didn't really know much else about them. And I just kind of had maybe seen even a short little video that Nathan was in. I just typed in his – literally, I just typed in his name online, and his website came up. And I, I started reading about him, and I thought, well, man, these guys have won the world champs five of the last six years at, at the time. And I said, that's some pretty legit sustained high performance, and that's not common. So I said, I don't really know much about this team, but they've got to be doing something right if they're winning at that level over and over again. And, I mean, it was really just a matter of – um, I emailed Nathan and just said, hey, you don't know me, but <laughs> I'm Rusty, and I work for this organization, and we'd love to tell your story, and would you be interested? And I had no idea if he would even write back, but he did right away. And, I mean, he's been an unbelievable pleasure to work with. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just said, sure, we'd love to partner with you in any way we can. And that kind of led to um, – our original thought was maybe we would go to New Zealand and interview them one day and then um, – film some B-roll of them training, and we kind of learned that they lived all, you know, all spread out throughout yeah. the islands, and so, um, or, you know, the North and South Island there, and um, so he suggested, or we kind of together decided, what if we met them at 2018 World Champs, and we could interview them there, and they'd already be racing, so that's kind of how that came about. Yeah. yeah, that took a lot of arm twisting on your part, right, to go. <laughs> a lot. Of, they didn't have to twist your arm very hard. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Hold on, I'm, my my sound switched a little bit here. I'm gonna try to see if I can get fixed okay. back up. For some reason, I'm uh, hearing you out of my speakers. Let me just change this real quick. See if I can go back to headphones. 
Oh, there we go. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I didn't know. No twisting my arm. <laughs> so, I mean, how do you, I mean, are, I mean, you're one of the producers, but I mean, how do you go about like saying, all right, we're going to do this six minute film, but oh, now we're going to go to Reunion Island, a half world away, and we're going to do a, a feature. I mean, how, who, how do you get to make that jump? Yeah, that's a great question. This has been such an interesting project because it really has been very organic in the way that it's grown. Um, and I, honestly, I've got to just say that's a, a, a huge amount of that is just such a credit to Nathan and Fleur and Stu and Chris and you know, and then Sophie and Joe and all the ones who have built that team because uh, even when we went to Reunion Island, I think we were still thinking of making a fairly short film. We didn't even stay for the entire race because we, you know, we, we thought, well, we'll go. We'll film some pre-race interviews with them. We'll film enough of the race to get some B-roll to put behind those. But I think at that time we were still planning on making a fairly short film that was just kind of a, here's some things we learned from them. Here's some B-roll of them racing. You know, it's eight minutes long. And so really it was is when we got there and we interviewed them, Randy, I mean, listen, we sat down and we were just blown away. I mean, I looked at Andrew who worked – so Story First Creative Agency out of Atlanta is the, the creative agency that, has, that did the filming and everything for us. They're a wonderful partner. And – we just sat down and said, this is so rich that we've got to do more than just this eight minute. This is not going to do it justice. I mean, it's not, it's not right. And, you know, in, and so we just felt it was so deep that, you know, we got to about day four of the race and we had to fly home. So we, we ended up, you know, the um, folks that, uh, there are other folks who filmed there that were gracious to share yeah. footage with us. So we could kind of have the end of the race, but really it was, it grew because they, their story was, was, was warranted it. So, <clears throat> What do you? Um, here's a simple, easy question: What makes them such a good team? And if, yeah, right. And uh, when you watch when you watch the uh, film, you'll see a lot of that. But but to you, what's the what's the secret sauce? Yeah, if I were to sum it up into just a few words, I would say probably what makes them a great team is that they um, they put the team before self. That was probably the maybe the underlying truth, um, and it was interesting, you know, interviewing Mark. Coll- Have you had Mark Collins on the show from uh, um, Sunland Painted Wolf? I if he may be one of those guys that we've tried a bunch. I can't remember without going back. Okay, <laughs> but, well he'd be great. Yeah. Um, but we grabbed we we kind of grabbed a moment with him and during the prologue, and we asked him about the team, and he kind of said it really well. He said, you know, it's. I remember him. He said, "It's almost as if it's almost as if they care for one another," you know. And he said, "All right, so I hate to use the word care, but it's like the, it's just care." And that was a, such a huge part of it. They just—you could tell that they were not just about winning. That that team is focused on. It's we are not four individual athletes racing alongside of each other. Yeah. We are a a unit pursuing a common goal and everything that that means. And so that really, I mean, that shows up in the in their team philosophy, in their values. It shows up in the way they carry gear for each other, in the way that they work in transition. You know, there's never a moment where I'm done, so I'll sit down. It's I'm done, so how can I help you? Yeah. And I really think that that care and that um, putting team before self is is probably the the source of many of the other things I could share. Yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously, but yeah, that's the, the, the teams that the successful teams can do that and they can do it quickly, which to me is something pretty amazing would, you know, they bring somebody onto a team like, you know, 
and and can gel. I, I love it when somebody says, "Yeah, I never met these guys. How long did it take before you felt you were a team?" Oh, like thirty minutes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Do you think that that's just the way adventure racing is? Because it's so, you know, everything is so compressed that you you become a team quicker than than the office softball team. Well, yeah, I definitely think, I mean, even just, you know, we've, we've kind of talked amongst ourselves, you know, how do we help teams? So we, we really see a lot of value in this as a tool for other teams to watch and say, how could, how could we bring some of this into our, into our work and our team? But it, it, there's definitely an element of the intensity of adventure racing that kind of, yeah, brings, brings that together more quickly than, you know, just working alongside each other in an office. Um, I think it certainly can be done and there's a lot of value there, which is why one of the reasons we love it so much, but, but definitely the intensity kind of, Short as the time frame. Yeah, adventure racing years are like dog years, I think. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Fleur actually even said in our interview with her, she said um, she says something like uh, that. Someone once told her that adventure racing is like your whole life on fast forward because you experience all the same highs and lows, but it's just in the space of a week. Yeah, and uh, so yeah. So um, how did how did you become an adventure racer? See how I jump around? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny, in the conversation of Nathan and his team, it's almost, I almost feel bad calling myself an adventure racer in the same sentence, but uh, I guess that's what's so great about the community is it's, it, it covers all types of us. Um, I, I, you know, you know Jeff Leininger, I believe, who yep. runs AR Georgia, and, you know, he's been incredibly good for the sport in our area, and so he runs a race called, uh, well, you know, you've done um, Blue Ridge, and so uh, maybe four years ago, I did the eight-hour race there with a buddy. So there's another friend of mine in town who had been racing for a few years, and uh, we took a whole crew up there, and I did the eight-hour with him, and I think I just got the bug. So um, the next year I went back and did the 24-hour Blue Ridge race, and uh, then I didn't really do any more adventure racing all summer, and I didn't really do any more training all, all summer. And about three weeks before nationals, um, another team in town uh, lost their third member and said, can you come race with us? This was up in Pennsylvania. And I said, well, I'm not really in shape. And they said, well, without you, we don't have a team, so I guess it's better than nothing. And so we went up there and did nationals, and then we've done that, I guess, the last three years. And then um, we usually, we almost always do Jeff's Race in Blue Ridge, and I've, I've done a few other local races here. So, um, yeah, it's been, I've kind of done a two or three race a year sort of thing for the last couple of years. Are you, um, which, which brings more to the other, your, your day-to-day work? To adventure racing or things you learn in adventure racing to your day-to-day work? Mm. Yeah, it's hard to compare, but I can certainly say that adventure racing has taught me so much. I think um, one of the reasons I was so excited to email Nathan is because even doing 24-hour races, I feel like adventure racing, adventure racing has just given me so much. Um, what it's taught me about myself. I mean, I remember that first Nationals in Pennsylvania uh, overnight – and just feeling like, what am I doing out here? This is so hard, and it feel it was so. I, I was so cold. We had these river crossings that were like up to our chest. My, you know, bikes floating beside you, and I just remember thinking, I what am I doing? And then you finish somehow, and you look back and you go, Wow, okay, I did that. And um, it just it, there were so many lessons that I brought back that um, I guess it may be fair to say that adventure racing, I brought more from it to work than the other way around. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, that makes sense. You know, that there's that accelerated learning experience. Yes. Do you um, 
ever tell a group like you know what you guys really need to do is go find an adventure race <laughs> well we've definitely done that with our staff we've taken a staff retreat and used adventure racing in there and uh, uh taken those elements and so we've done that a few times it's different types of things like that to to mixed reviews uh some people are more <laughs> open, to the, open to the challenge than others but um but yeah we've certainly uh used those stories or those types of things because it's like we were talking about earlier with you know classroom learning versus experiential learning i think uh, Nathan talked a lot about this, about his upbringing and going and doing um, sort of uh, adventure as uh, as a mechanism for um, learning and growth. And yeah. I think that there's, just, there's no better teacher than just outdoor experiences. So. Yeah. I think he says something like his whole life was training him to be an adventure racer and he didn't know it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I, I mean, I find that with a lot of racers. I mean, obviously you get people from that were – standouts in in certain sports while well, nathan you know was an olympian mountain biker but but it tends to be a lot of uh people that are just pretty good at everything that, that yeah well yes it's and listening to the people on your podcast over over the years i mean it, it, yeah it's these people are just do they seem like they could just do anything a lot of times yeah yeah they probably could that just you know they pick the high-priced, high-glamour world of adventure racing. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so, um, all right, back to the film. So when you got to go to Reunion, did you get to spend, I mean, did you get to do, were you shooting any of it? Or were you just out there? What What was your role? Yeah, we had, a, we had a really small team. It was just three of us that went, uh, myself, uh, a gentleman named Andrew Tuccheroni, who runs Story First Creative, and then, another gentleman named David Hamilton. And so we really shot it all together. I didn't use, do much of the camera work. Um, I kind of played a little bit of the role of uh, almost navigator because shooting in reunion was, was a real challenge. First of all, you know this from your filming, Randy, but I had never done anything like that. And um, from, from a film perspective, and Reunion Island was a real challenge because there's, the roads don't really go yeah. where you need them to go. And I, we almost felt like we were in an adventure race mm -hmm. ourselves. Uh, there was the cell service was pretty poor, and so we were literally the way we were tracking the team was we started with the maps and we would try to find them via just navigation. But then we were um, using the dot tracking on our phones yep. to try to. I remember when we did the summit of the Paton de Ney, which was kind of a, a crux of the first. That trekking leg was in, was unbelievable. It was like 106 kilometers, and it was over 7,000 meters of gain in that one leg. Oh. And um, so we had to, like, you know, summit the mountain really to meet them. So we, we, we tried to play our timing so that we could leave. We left our van at about 1 in the morning and uh, climbed up a different route to try to be at this kind of hut the same time they got there, and we beat them maybe by 45 minutes or so so we could catch them coming in and actually summit with them. So it was, um, for us, it was a real uh, neat experience just trying to figure out how best to, be where they were. Mm -hmm. um, we had talked. We had talked to Nathan ahead of time and actually asked him. You know what? We didn't. We didn't want to do anything to impede their performance or to make it harder for them. And so we said, "What's the? What? What would you kind of share with us as expectations or whatever?" And he said, "You know, something you might think about is just try to get out on course as much as you can. Don't just wait in transitions because you won't get nearly as good of footage. Yeah. So we try to our best to get out with them whenever we could. So yeah, I mean, it's <clears throat> to me, it's kind of old school where you got the almost privilege of being out there and just shooting um you know that 
when I started out, that's the way I shot stuff. You just go, mm. sh- you, you, you go shoot. You know, my first race was Primal Quest, which was ten days of shooting. Oh my! And then I spent eight months one learning how to edit and editing. And now it's you know, you got to get out there and you got to get back. You know, find service, upload. You know, get that stuff mm. done now. So. Yeah. You kind of miss. I mean, I kind of miss the days of when you could, yeah, you could go trek with somebody overnight, or you know, wait till day three or four where you could maybe keep up with them. Obviously, right, <laughs> um, right, yeah. And now you're at the mercy of the tracker, which the tracker works perfectly, right, until they're about a half hour away, and then it's like, <laughs> yeah, where did they go? <laughs> so yeah, the the. Re- the reception was so bad that we were, we were. It was about one in the morning, and uh, I couldn't get my internet to work, but my phone would work. So I was liter- I was calling from Reunion Island. I called my wife in Rome, Georgia, and said, "Pull up the computer yeah. and find the dot." And then I said, "When you see that dot get to this city, you tell me." <laughs> so that's all. And then we would leave. Yeah, perfect. Uh, I mean, that's. Uh, I've had it the other way where people will message me when I'm out in the middle of nowhere, asking me what's going on, and I'm like. Hey, you're the one in front of the computer. You tell me. So, right. Yes, exactly. Did you get the um, the privilege of waiting long enough to wonder if you were in the right place? Uh, we definitely had the privilege of waiting to see if waiting long enough to wonder if uh, we were in front of or behind. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, there was a moment that was oh, it was classic. Very early in the race, that the the way the maps were. Um, you know, we, we started with them just for a few minutes and kind of then we left and we hopped in the car and our plan was to park and kind of hike into this, um, you know, I guess it was a sort of a, an old abandoned river, jungle riverbed thing. And we were trying to find an abseil, but the abseil wasn't really on the map. They just, we knew because of the booklet that there would be an abseil between these two checkpoints. Mm. And so we had entered between the two checkpoints and were sort of hiking down toward where I thought the abseil would be. And we thought we were pretty far ahead, and all of a sudden we just hear a thundering herd, and we turn around, and in the middle of the jungle, there's you know 15 teams just unloading on us. So we dove out of the way. Andrew kind of dove in with Nathan and team, and we we were really close to the abseil, so it was really funny. We uh, we thought we had an hour or so, and they were just right on us. Yeah. Um. So that was really kind of fun and exciting uh, to film, but yeah, we definitely had some moments of being unsure where they were or we were. Yeah, it's always interesting when you're waiting and all of a sudden they come from behind you, and it's like, no, you guys are supposed to be coming from. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the yeah, never, never try to guess where they're going to come from because they never will. So, yes. So did I mean, how much time did you actually get to spend out there? You know, you had four days where you out for most of that time. Yeah, for the most of it, we we um, we would we we had a camper van, so we just kind of slept in that, and uh, we would kind of drive through when we knew we were going to be away. From, you know, it was going to be remote for a long period of time, and we couldn't be with them. We would sort of go and grab some internet and download, and and kind of try grab some sleep or some food, yeah. and then we would just head to the next. Really, a lot of time was spent, you know, just trying to driving to the next main point, and then kind of waiting there um, for them to arrive. So uh, yeah, we was we were pretty much out there that whole time. Yeah, a lot of waiting when you're. Filming a race. Yes, there was a lot of weight. And, and, you know, we, we in retrospect, we looked back and said, you know, to do it right, you'd almost need two or three crews so you could have somebody at this place because we missed some things because we just couldn't possibly get to all of them in time. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. And, I mean, 
You, it sounded sort of like you kind of changed on the fly to get more more footage, or or what? Did you had had you planned on spending all that time getting the footage, or did you think you get yeah a few you know a little bit of B roll and hang out on the beach? <laughs> well, had, yeah, that's good. I think we I think we always knew we would spend most of our time filming, but I think that it started to. You know, once we started the race, I think we started to realize that that would be the actually the thread that would form the core of the film, that particular race that we would tell the story around. And so then I think it became we realized we needed to do a much, you know, we really want to follow chronologically everything we could. Yeah. So that did that, that kind of happened on, on the fly, and it was really on the plane on the way home. You know, we flew back and we didn't know the outcome of the race because it was it was still happening while we were on the plane. And um, so I looked. We kind of looked at each other and said, "You, we're gonna. We need to go to New Zealand. We need. We need to. We need to finish this story. We need to know more about them than just this this race." Yeah. And uh, so we, that's when we kind of decided to head to head there as well. So. Yeah. It, it, after after watching the film, it's kind of like, oh yeah, here's your little yeah your little uh, meetup afterwards, which I think really really helps it. Yeah. It would have yeah, lost something without that. Not really I think a so. coda, but almost. Yeah, I think so, and it was really also cool to see. I mean, we got to in New, in New Zealand, we got to meet Nathan's family. I mean, I can't, I cannot possibly express how gracious the team was. Uh, Nathan welcomed us to his home. Um, we interviewed with his wife Jody and his daughter Jesse, and we we hung out with them at a road game that Nathan put on, and just spent time there. He uh, he took he went out with us to film individual shots of him doing different things there. Um, Sophie gave, you know, we met her in, in near Christchurch where she lives and she welcomed us to her home. We never would have any of that if we had not gone to New Zealand. Um, and we also got to meet, you know, Joanna Williams there and, and talk to her and do that. Like you said, that little meetup, um, Nathan was putting on a race, Absolute Wilderness, his company was putting on a race, um, in Twizel. And so that was kind of an excuse to get the whole team back together. And we went there and filmed that. And then that's where we did the little round table. So they were, they were just, I mean, Fleur drove all the way from Christchurch to Twizel just to do that last roundtable interview with us. And we, we were really grateful. They're, they're great people. Just don't ask Stu a question like five minutes before the start of the world championships while he's trying to prepare the boat. <laughs> He'll answer you, but he won't have a good look on his face. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny. We, it was oftentimes Nathan who, would, when we were out on course, he, he would t- do a lot of the talking yeah. to us. I think he kind of knew that was a good role for him. So Yeah. I, you know, very true because uh, actually all four of them have been on the podcast. And yeah, Nathan is I – don't, I don't know if he's a natural at it, but I think he is always kind of the, the spokesman. So he takes that role on – I don't know if, if he enjoys it, but he sure does it well. Yes, he does. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, you said you kind of decided you needed to go to New Zealand on the way home. How did you guys find the 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 story and the thread? I mean, did you all sit together and talk it through, or did you, you know, how did that come about? Yeah. We, um, yeah, we did. We met with, so story first is, is, is great. And they're, uh, they're, they're, they're accustomed to, to, to telling stories. And so we did sit down and before we went to New Zealand and said, okay, what, you know, what's the story here? Obviously we originally started without the story was just going to be, um, Hey, it's a, just a look at what, what, what this team does and some interviews and that kind of thing. But once we realized we wanted to make a, a, like a documentary, we needed, you know, more of a story to follow. And so that's when I think we realized that, um, we, we kind of had some t- several different brainstorming sessions to find the right thread there. 
And uh, we definitely knew that, that Fleur would be a big character because she had that interesting story of you know, Joanna hurting her ankle six weeks before mm-hmm. the World Championships and Fleur coming in out of having not raced. And she had this amazing story. We couldn't tell the whole thing in the film, but you know when the earthquake happened in Christchurch, she just talked about how that really um, impacted their community so much and really impacted her um, participation in sport at the time. And uh, she had some other things happen in her life that she shared. And so we knew that she would be a really neat story to tell. Um, uh, and she was also just extremely articulate. And uh, so we enjoyed that part of it. And then we knew that, that Nathan kind of knowing that he's sort of at the latter end of his adventure racing career, uh, at least competitive sport. I mean, knowing he says that, but then of course he can use to go dominate. So yeah. um, we thought that would, his, his story of his family and kind of how he's, shepherded so many different things over time would also be a powerful story. So those two kind of emerged as, um, uh, as, as some, some threads we would pull. And then we decided to kind of make the concept of racing for the team and what that means. It almost, we, we decided to make the film less about will they or won't they win the race yeah. and more about it's almost, we almost tried to create this picture that when we told the story of the team, it's almost expected that they'll win. Like, yeah, because they team so well, why wouldn't they win? Um, yeah. It's kind of what we drew out. So, yeah, I mean, you, you don't do that, but sometimes I like those kind of documentaries where you know the story and where you show them crossing the finish line, winning is the first shot in the in the movie. So, you, right, you don't, you know, it, it. I think it tells you that this film is not about will they or won't they. It's about about them. Um, yes. So. I, I, yeah, I've, I just have watched a couple of docs in in the last few weeks where that's uh, you know basically how it, how it's framed. And it's like I like I like this. I got to steal it for something. I got to do something yeah. where I can steal that idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, is there something from one of the teammates or the race that ended up? You can't really say on the cutting room floor because there's no film, but that you really, you know, just this moment, but it didn't fit that you wish you you could put in the film. Hmm. There. Oh gosh, yeah. There were so many. I mean, I have a stack of. So we transcribed every interview that we did, mm-hmm. and um, I have a, I have, I have a folder, and we we literally read through because we, in addition to the film, we made three other topicals. So we made one on perseverance, uh, one on team culture, and another on trust and respect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are also going to be kind of part of this project that will be on the website. And um, some of the stuff on perseverance was amazing. We also um, uh, we, we had to leave so much of the footage from that kind of roundtable um, discussion that we had at the end on the cutting room floor, and it was – um, it was rich as well, just as they looked at kind of the legacy of the team and what they um, kind of how they uh, just interacted with one another there. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the specifics. Oh, I know one piece. There's an amazing story, and it shows up in a, a – we also did a case study on Nathan's leadership style. And uh, Marcel Hagner from uh, – who raced with them in 2005 and won the world champs with them on when it was in New Zealand – he raced – we met him in New Zealand as well and sat down for an interview, and we asked him, we said, what did um, – you know, what, what was Nathan like as a captain, as a leader? And he told us a story. Now, this was in 2018 when we interviewed him, and he said in 2005, before the world champs, 
He said, we went to, Nathan and I kind of became friends and we would go to this patisserie and we would order this snack called Nut Corners. Um, I guess like a little dessert treat. And he said, when I was out there racing with them in the world champs, I had a particularly low moment in the race. And he said, Nathan pulled out a nut corner from his pocket that he had carried with him. <laughs> and he said, he must have thought before this race, I'm going to buy this and bring it. And when Marcel has a low moment, I'm going to bring this and give it to him to pick him up. Wow. And he said, the fact that he thought about that ahead of time and did that was so amazing. And to me, the fact that Marcel was telling us that story 13 years later meant that, I mean, the, the power of that sticking with him all that time that, and we couldn't, we couldn't work into the documentary for, for whatever reason that, that little, it was, it was a hard clip to work in, yeah. but, um, but I hated leaving that out because I thought it was such a cool story. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think it's right because basically you have, you know, you have four people, you have the interviews with Mark. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see how you add other, it, did, it dilutes it if you start adding more characters. Right. Yeah. yeah we also had an interview with, um, uh, Jim Cotter, um, who I, who was, uh, someone that Nathan rec recommended he, and he's a, you know, an adventure racer there in New, New Zealand, I think from even kind of the, even an older school, uh, one of the early, early guys and his interview was great as well, but it just was getting that one more voice in was, was harder. Um, yeah. but it was, it was really neat also. Yeah. And then you found that handsome guy to, to do your intros. Oh, where'd, where'd hey. you find him at? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know where we picked him up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's all we'll say, so people have to watch, right? That's right. We won't give too much away. Yeah. So, what's the plan for for the film, for distribution, for so, and and obviously, since the, the idea with this is we'll put this out when when it's out, so people will see. But because I, I want to know, so what's what's the plan? Yeah. So we're gonna. Um, it's so depending on where, when people hear this. So February fourth, it's gonna go live. Um, it's, we're going to have it on our. We're going to have a whole page on our website that's uh, on Team Avea, and it kind of has some backstory there. And it has the trailer, and then it'll link to the documentary there. It'll also live on YouTube, and so folks will be able to watch them both there. And then on our website, they can also see. Um, you know, there will be a way to kind of uh, kind of sign up to get access to um, the other topicals on perseverance and trust and respect. And I'm and I'm not sure about the other case studies, but at least those two. And so there'll kind of be more information there, but yeah, that'll be the, the spot. And so people can watch it and share it. We, our hope is just that, I mean, the, we think it'll be great for the sport and we hope that as many people as possible can see it. So, all right. Technical question first or back behind the curtains. So when you, so what I'll do is, is this will, will go out on the fourth, pick a time. And, and when you have the links and we'll put all the links in the show notes. So, so you kind of get, you get the tens of listeners, but <laughs> so that's that's the behind the curtains. But what is it? I mean, what do you want? What do you want a adventure racer to take away from this? Or what do you want from a non adventure racer to take away from the film? <clears throat> well, it's a it's a great question. It's you know I will have to say this has been one of the most power doing this project has been one of the most. Um, it's been an incredible passion project for me. I have loved every second of it. Um, I, I have gained so much from uh, Nathan and Fleur and Stu and, and Chris and others we met along the way, Chris's wife Emily and Joanna and Sophie and um, all the folks, Jody, uh, and everyone. So I feel like we learned uh, so much. I would want uh, adventure racers uh, and anyone who watches it really to just take away 
the uh, I think the power of selfless teamsmanship, uh, servant teamsmanship, the idea that um, the Nathan says it this way, he says the process is important. How we get there is important. You know, it's not just about winning that we really want to uh, – he talks in the roundtable about Chris, and he says, I remember one day on the first day of the race, Chris was hurting from the heat, and so I took his gear, and he said – I looked at him, and it's like, I don't want Chris to feel bad. I'm, I don't want to see him in that hard place, and it's not in our best interest to let him feel bad. So how can we serve each other? And then the next day, he said he got low, and Chris carried his gear. Mm-hmm. So th- just this idea of if we focus a little bit less on just taking care of me, and number one, and we're able to – to look at it like if we have a common goal, then we've got to share the resources and serve one another. Um, I, I would, I think that's a huge um, learning from this film that uh, that's powerful. I think also um, Stu has a great line where he just says, "Adventure racing teaches you you can go a lot further than you think you can." Yeah. And I, I mean, Fleur talks about that in the perseverance topical. She's like, "Man, I mean, she she's like, I was struggling out there. I was suffering." And there were moments I thought I couldn't go another step. And then she takes it back to her PhD program and says, listen, I'm doing that now. And I'm thinking back to reunion saying, I can get, I can do this. And I think that's a huge lesson from the film and from adventure racing in general. Um, we can, you can do a lot more than you think you can, um, if you kind of just keep going. So, um, I think those would be two great lessons, but I, people will pull, I think a lot, um, yeah. out of it. So, yeah. And there's going to be some people who are like, they're all just nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, you're probably not going to do another, you know, full length doc, but I know, I know in your mind, you've got an idea for the next one, right? Yeah. Well, we've had several ideas. We've immersed so heavily in this one that I haven't even gotten that far quite yet. There's a um, there's a, a local sports team here in Atlanta that we had thought about doing uh, potentially, and our hope is that you know if people like this project, it'll make it easier to find other teams because we can show them and say this is the story we told last time, yeah. and that might help them be more willing to sign on. But gosh, you know, we we're very open to ideas um, for what's next. Yeah. Do you have a silly question? Do you have a, a bucket list team that you would like to do this with? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I don't. I don't have one that comes to mind um, because, I, quite frankly, Randy Timovea has kind of spoiled it for us. Yeah. Um, I, I never would have thought we could find quite this combination um, of of just kind of classy, um, humble, elite uh, top performers. So it's going to be tough to beat. But um, yeah, we'll have to do some brainstorming on that. Yeah. Would you? <laughs> Do you think this film or the message would be would resonate or with people if it was kind of basically the same people, but you know the same personalities, same mindset, but they were middle of the Packers? You know, that's a good question. I I don't know. I do think that the fact that they win. Is helppful, yeah, because it what it, I, I don't think that the middle of the Packers it takes anything away from them because um, you can have this same uh, attitude and mentality and approach and maybe just be a little bit less experienced, a little bit less accomplished athletically, and so it doesn't yeah. all come together for the win. But I think the fact that they're winning shows people that oh, this approach 
works. It gets results. Um, and so I, I, I think they, they kind of spoke to this. Sometimes you get teams that are built of just four top athletes and they don't really team yeah. and then they don't win. And so I think that that, that's a challenge, but I think there are definitely probably folks that team very well, but they may not be just quite as athletically accomplished as, as this team is, and so they may not be at the top. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's every team is not quite as athletically accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah. All right. Well, the, we, we, we kind of found that. We interviewed – oh, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. They want, we want to hear you talk. Oh, me. I was just <laughs> – oh, <laughs> well, no, I was just going to say I, I can't leave out um, – we we met uh, Rhino Griesel and Craig Methrell from Team Jabberwock. They had had to pull out. I think they're 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 obviously in the film, and um, they had to pull out of the race and um, for injury. And we interviewed them. We actually made a case study of their whole interview because it was so great. But they really spoke to that. I mean, they're they're probably more of a middle of the pack team. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said they joked and said I asked them if they'd ever raced with. Nathan's team, Team of A, and they said, well, we've been on the start line with them a lot of times, but I wouldn't say we've ever raced with them. <laughs> um, but, um, but, yeah, I think they were a team that, that had a very similar mentality when we interviewed them of the way they care for each other, um, and yet they, they were saying we're probably not quite in the same, you know, we're not usually finishing on the podium with them, but I, they obviously had the same approach and mentality. So I certainly think that's common. So Very cool. Um, just a couple more things. That's what I always say. Uh, you got? Are you racing this year? You got any plans? Yeah, well, actually, I just met with my team yesterday to talk. We're we're, we're taking a kind of a lower key approach this year. Um, there's an interesting race that we looked at um, called the Gorgeous Possum. I think it's called that Tansy Navigation's putting on in West Virginia. That kind of seems intriguing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll, I'm sure we'll probably uh, make a trip up to Blue Ridge in May. So we'll see. Um, but uh, I've kind of gotten a little bit of an itch to 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 get into gravel biking a little bit too. So that may that may be calling this year. So yeah. Jump on the bandwagon. I know. It seems great. Well, if you say, I think I've heard you say Paulette does a lot of that. Is that sound right? Or? Um, some. Of course, she's going back to adventure racing. Oh, she's doing C to C this year. Is she's that right? Going to do C to C, and then we, I don't know, we're looking at, she's got some other stuff. She's got an invite to go do a swim run in Norway, and they want me to shoot, so we may have to do that. So. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I, and only because uh, the fjord where they have it is one where they film the fight scene for the last Mission Impossible. That's the turnaround for the race. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And it's right next to – you've always seen that picture of the rocks stuck between the two rocks? Uh-huh. There. That oh, okay. And they have a, a stairway that has 4,444 steps that they have to go up. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I'd like to go shoot that. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, and I th- it sounds like you said I, I think that the race that um, the Expedition Oregon is a sort of a, a, a bucket list race I'd like to do, but I'd like to be a little bit more uh, prepared before I go do that one. So yeah, that's going to be. I think. I think I said this, and I don't know if it's on one of the. I'm looking at all these um, podcast tracks that I can't upload yet, <laughs> <laughs> but I think I said that. Oregon is is the next bucket list race, I think, for people. Mm. You know, God's Own, Patagonia, Oregon. I think it's going to be right there. So, Um, okay, final stupid question because I think I asked some decent questions this time. (laughs) I think so. Yes. (laughs) All right. How often did you get mad at the Japanese film crews for getting in your way? You know that's really funny that you asked that question. We we did have 
I don't want to be diplomatic about this. There was an ever-present Japanese film crew. Yep. Let's put it that way. How, that's funny. How did, so have you had that experience? Or? Yes. <laughs> Extremely. And and I noticed them in a couple of shots. That's why I... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Particularly when we were trying to film them on the bike, and I'm driving this van down the road trying not to kill anyone, and uh, our film, you know, Andrew and David are hanging out the windows filming these biking shots, and there are these epic shots of them biking by the volcano, and then there's a guy with a vest running with the camera beside him, and you're like, please move. Just yep. give me one shot. Yep. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, so, all right. So here's my little secret. Probably not politically correct, but I gave them all my footage from Cowboy Tough at Worlds. Uh-huh. Because, I mean... They're doing their job. It's just the way they are. I mean, they're used sure, to sure. a thousand. They have no personal space. Right. So, um, but I labeled the file August 3rd through the 6th. Oh. <laughs> so, oh. that's all I said. <laughs> well, well yeah. those were part of the dates, but. That's yeah. right. So, um, yeah. well, cool. I'm glad we uh, we got to do this. It's been, yeah, a long, it's been a long process for you. Oh, it has. Yeah, it's been. A long, we're really excited to get this out there. I hope you enjoyed it. I, I, I think it's been telling that we gave you kind of watched it ahead of time. Yeah, so. it's it's yep. it's eminently watchable. I think everybody will enjoy it. Um, not only I think you're going to learn some stuff about the teens, but um, I mean it is enough. I don't. Want, I don't think people should think that this is them sitting around talking a bunch. Oh no! There's no, a lot of race action and, and really, yes. really good, cool race action. So, yeah, I dug it. Well, huge thank you to all you do, Randy, uh, for all you do. I, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed. I mean, I've, I've, I feel like I've gotten to know the adventure race community quite frankly a lot through your your podcast, and so I really appreciate you doing that. And uh, if you, I'm one of your listeners, whether there's uh, ten or a million of them, I'm one of them. So, well, I appreciate it, and hopefully we get the technical stuff out. So you know. I was I, I kind of take a break, you know, that Thanksgiving to Christmas because you know there's a lot going on, and I'm like, all right, first of the year, let's get going. And and uh, the interesting thing, well, they'll know it now. But my next episode that comes up has nothing to do with adventure racing. It's it's off road motorcycle racing. Oh, really? I thought I thought you were going to say the truck racing. I knew you went and shot that too. Yeah, it was part of it. Well, this guy he's actually a local guy. You know, did the Baja 1,806 miles on a motorcycle by himself. So, mm, oh my goodness! So, oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> so it's a uh, it 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 was a really great episode because hopefully people have heard it. So, um, all right, you know how I sign off, and it's really true. I'm gonna go take the dog for a walk because it's a nice night. Relative. All right, speaking. yeah. Get get the hiking and try out that new uh, Fiji edition pack there. It's very nice. There's a lot of differences. I'm gonna. Oh really? Yeah, um, I'm gonna hopefully maybe this weekend do a do a video on it. But uh, yeah, that's that. Get one if you can. All right, we'll do. So. Well, hey, appreciate it, Randy. Thanks so much for, for for taking the time. All right, yeah, and I'll just I'll just chat with you in the next couple of weeks, and we'll get all the technical stuff and links, and and let me know exactly when you want to put it out because I can, you know, anytime. Okay, sounds great. Well, uh, huge thank you to you and all the people that participate in the project. You might hear this. I appreciate everyone's hard work on it. So, All right, thanks. All right, thanks. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye.